Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Life's Multiverse. We are all humans. Well, at least I guess so. If you are a robot or AI, please show yourself out. Because this episode is gonna be a little bit different, where we'll dive into one of our weaknesses as humans. It will also have a personal touch and some stories from my journey that I will share with you. But at the end of it, I hope that it will just raise awareness and will help us overcoming these weaknesses and becoming more united than ever in overcoming the challenges that are facing humanity. And what I'm going to talk about today, you can call it the fear of strangers. And I'll be explaining things from my own perspective and my own experience as an expat living abroad for more than six years and coming from an let's call it unpopular country like Syria. And it's not only me, but I'll be mentioning also many of my friends that had the same destiny because we had to leave our country due to the circumstances there and we were all faced with similar difficulties abroad. And these difficulties include prejudices, stereotyping and sometimes even hostility. You might be sitting now listening and wondering how come the world could be such a cruel place and how are we still dealing with such problems in the 21st century? Well, I hate to break it to you, but the problem is deeper than that. Well, let me explain. I recently had the chance to read a book that was very valuable. The book is about human behavior and it's called Behave by Robert Sapolsky. And he clearly explains that the problem is actually in our biology. Have you ever wondered why throughout history humans have often divided themselves into groups? Creating an us versus them mentality? Then probably you should read that book. Robert spent decades studying the complexities of human behavior and biological underpinnings of our actions. So in the book, he delves into the roots of xenophobia. And xenophobia is what we're calling the fear of strangers. It's the deep-seated fear or hostility toward people from other groups or cultures. And he suggests that xenophobia is not just a social construct, but has biological basis as well. It's a survival mechanism that our distant ancestors developed as a mean of protecting their resources and ensuring the survival of their own group. Well, yes, they were in the wild. Encountering strangers from different groups could pose a threat to limited resources like food, shelter, or territory. And as a side note, our human brain did not really evolve much from the hunter-gatherer society So we are having the same brain structure for 50,000 years. And in most cases, our hunter-gatherer brains could not match the pace of the rapid development in our modern society. And this is why we are seeing these behaviors in our daily lives. And from the moment I traveled out of the country, I'm suffering from xenophobia consequences. Even in Lebanon, which was like the neighboring country of Syria, prejudices there were immense. And I had many situations, they were so hard to deal with. Like for example, once I applied for a job and I got invited to the uh, job interview 
And the moment I entered the interview and the interviewer checked out my resume and she saw that I'm Syrian, uh, her face changed and she said like, I'm sorry, we're not accepting Syrian applicants. I was honestly shocked because I assumed that there's some sort of a screening before inviting the applicants to the interview and how could they overlook that. I spent like an hour on traffic, but it happened like that. And it wasn't pleasant for sure. Because I got a similar reaction from other companies, but it was directly by email, so I did not have to waste commute time for that. Except one company who flipped after me passing the interview and meeting their CEO who decided that they're not hiring me because I'm Syrian as well. And I saw them few days after reposting the job with the note that they're only accepting local applicants. And countless other situations like that in Lebanon, which is also explained by the tense and complicated history between the two countries, which adds up lots of tension and complexities. Regardless that us individuals have nothing to do with that. Also right after moving to Dubai, when I applied for an apartment, I initially got rejected and the rejection was sent to my company and the explanation was nationality concern because of my nationality. But then my company there appealed for me and they provided a letter to the landlord guaranteeing that I will be a good tenant and I will not cause any problems. So they accepted my offer. But the phrase nationality concerns to me did not make any sense. Some other examples are when I try to apply for a visa anywhere because my Syrian passport does not allow me to enter too many countries, if not at all, without a visa. So I needed to apply for a visa for multiple countries on many occasions, but unfortunately they were all rejected and for no apparent reason. Even though I did all the paperwork and everything was according to their requirements. And here in Europe, as I also learned from many of my friends, having your nationality put as Syrian on your dating profile will technically reduce your chances to zero. They don't get any matches. Probably because of nationality concerns. Or even if they didn't, after mentioning their nationality in the conversation after a few phrases, they will immediately get unmatched. Which is something I experienced myself many times. But who can we blame? Our mammalian brain? Well, now let's move to the bright side. Things are actually not that bad. And these situations mostly happen when the communication is done on papers or behind the screen. But truth to be said that people when they meet me in real life, the reactions are a lot different. So here in Europe, for example, many times when I tell people that I'm from Syria, they'll immediately show a huge compassion and they will empathize with my story because even without telling any word, they know that I had a tough past. And I can see the look of empathy in their eyes and I really appreciate that. But on the other hand, I get also other reactions and some people can't hide their body language and many of them will be shocked. And this is very interesting to me. Because, first of all, I don't really look like the typical Syrian guy and my features are usually deceiving, so people are not sure where I'm from. 
So that means I can do some social experiments and monitor how people are interacting with me before knowing my nationality and after. And that was actually interesting. But here I can't generalize and say that everyone acts like that. And the reactions I get are on a whole big spectrum. But there are times where people, as I mentioned before, they immediately show compassion and empathize. Other times they try to keep everything the same and stay neutral. And the rest of the times I will sense some distance immediately, where the person will unconsciously take a defensive position and become more conservative and serious. And I understand that this happens unconsciously and it's just a natural human reaction. But the interesting thing is that also these reactions vary depending on my, the closeness between me and this person. So the closer the person is, the easier the reaction will be. And the more they'll show friendliness and compassion. Where on the flip side, it will be more distant when the person is a complete stranger or just someone I met in the supermarket or at a bar. And yeah, I consider myself lucky because I'm able to run these human experiments almost all the time. So the question, where are you from, to me in my life, had like whole other meaning. And it almost always comes with a roller coaster of emotions. So sometimes when someone asks me, where are you from, and and I'm like drained or something, I think like, oh my God, I'm not ready for this. But I never hesitate to tell people and yeah, accept whatever their reactions will be. And sometimes it might be really mentally challenging. And I know that from my friends as well, because I know many of my friends who are from Syria and living abroad, mostly in Europe, they even consider like lying on this question or claiming that they are from a different country or something just to avoid this awkward moments and the uncertainty of emotions or like the mind reading that we should do now to guess how this person, this other person is perceiving that. But for me, my rule was like, don't lie about that because you can never maintain a lie like this. So better to stay honest and just accept what you get. But as I said, my observation was that the more personal things get, the more positive the other person will be and vice versa. So for example, I've never faced any issues with my colleagues at work or with neighbors or with anyone whom I see consistently. And this also could be very well explained by neuroscience because it's just the matter of time. And what I mean by that is we know that we have two, there's the limbic system, which is usually called the reptilian brain, which is the more primitive, and the prefrontal cortex, which is the developed brain or the part of brain where we do higher functions of cognition or thinking. And these two parts are completely different. And according to Daniel Kahneman, the writer of Thinking Fast and Slow, he called them System 1 and System 2. And the main difference is that one is fast and the other is slow. The fast one is obviously the reptilian brain, 
or the limbic system. The limbic system is very fast in reaction because it requires like it requires a quick reaction in situations of danger, for example, or in any other situation that requires us to take an immediate action. On the other hand, the slow system is the prefrontal cortex where we need to do the more deliberate work, the more thinking, math, for example, problem solving, where these kind of things are time consuming and hard. So when you have a shallow connection or communication with someone, or when you just first meet someone without any prior background or information, and here your limbic system is reacting on any information or anything you are receiving because anything might be dangerous you are in an alert state so you need to react quickly and this was noticed also by robert in the book i mentioned previously behave where they did experiments and when people saw strangers that look differently in, for example, skin color or other features or ethnicity, they had registered an immediate increase in the amygdala activity. And the amygdala is the part of the brain from the limbic system, which is responsible for emotional responses as well as decision-making, but based on our emotions. And the increased activity in amygdala is usually associated with anxiety or danger. So when we don't have much time to judge the situation by our system 2, which is the slow developed brain, we will take immediate reactions or responses based on our limbic system, the reptilian brain. And most probably this will be, well, we will call it xenophobic but it's more like an alert or a conservative reaction to protect us from the danger of the unknown. It's like stranger danger. So this is one of the ways that I can explain why do I get more hostile reactions or less adequate responses when the situation is fast or without any context. And the more context you add to the connection with the other person, the more you trigger their actual developed brain prefrontal cortex to work and assess the situation and find that there is no danger. And in the meantime, other parts of the reptilian brain will work as well, but it will be responsible for emotions on the positive way, which will be forming the connection with that other person. And it will also contribute to calming down the brain and removing the danger sensation. But unfortunately, things are not that easy. And because our reptilian brain and our automatic reactions are so strong and they are very profound throughout the history, because the reptilian brain is millions of years older than the actual prefrontal cortex, it is first very hard to override and second, it usually influences our rational thinking and our prefrontal cortex. And this happens by social constructs. And by social constructs here I mean dividing people into groups. Where people are usually divided into groups, tribes, and now we start judging people whether they are from our group or outside our group which creates the dichotomy us versus them, 
where us are the people who are inside the group and them are anyone outside. Although this social construct seems very primitive and naive, but it is emphasized from our childhood. And if you try to recall that from your own life and childhood, you'll always find examples that solidifies this division in your head. So it will become something unconscious and an automatic program. And it might be as simple as that our culture's food is tastier than the other culture's food. Or our history is richer than the other country's history. And these kinds of claims are usually meant to strengthen the bond between the group members, between each others, but at the same time it grows the distance between them and other people outside the group. So we end up with this us versus them dichotomy. So we will become unconsciously biased towards anyone from outside the group or anyone who is different from us. And these biases, because they came deep from our emotional brains and emphasized by society and social structures, become very hard to revert or undo. And speaking about these biases, there are very useful tests online that you can do yourself to find if you have any social bias. And these tests are called IAT. And I will include a link for the tests in the episode description so you can try them yourself. And these tests are actually built based on scientific studies that really assess how biased you are in some certain topics. And there are many tests for different topics, so give them a try. And maybe the most public infamous example about social biases like that we saw on the starting of the war in Ukraine and when Ukrainian refugees started moving to European countries and when we saw some reactions from the journalists when they said that these refugees are from Ukraine and not from the Middle East so they are welcome because they look like us. And yeah, for sure that was not acceptable to say publicly and they had a lot of criticism but again it falls under these human biases and xenophobia. And the last phenomenon that I also wanted to highlight in today's episode is stereotyping. And it happens to me quite frequently that people will assume things about me that might or might not be true just because, for example, my nationality. And this is basically stereotyping, which is something we all encounter in various forms. It's a mental shortcut that our brains sometimes take where we categorize individuals or groups based on certain characteristic or association. While this might be a natural human tendency, it's important to remember that these assumptions can be misleading and unfair. For instance, with me, people might associate Syrians only with conflict or unrest, overlooking the incredible diversity and resilience of the people and culture. While I don't see stereotyping as a big problem, because I also do it myself, and it's, uh, as I said, natural human reaction, but sometimes we might need to be aware of it because it might lead to some misunderstandings, biases, or discriminations. And by that, I would also like to wrap things up by some notes from the book, where the author also emphasizes that while these tendencies exist, 
they are not destiny. Our brains are also capable of empathy, cooperation, and compassion. Overcoming xenophobia requires us to consciously challenge these biases and engage with others on a human level, transcending the us versus them mindset. Because as I said, when we communicate on the human level, we just drop our shields and become more close and sincere. And the moment we understand the origins of our biological biases, it will help us confronting these instincts and strive for more inclusive and compassionate world. It reminds us that our capacity for empathy and cooperation can override our primal fears. So thank you so much for sticking with me till now. I shared a lot of personal information and secret that not too many people knew. I hope you learned something new and you have some action items. Don't forget to take the test. And hey, if you don't have any biases, congratulations, you are the next generation of humans. See you on the next one.